to you all tonight. I'm, I'm very thankful that, uh, that the pastor uh, asked me to do this. Um, as you probably all know, this is the first time I've ever been up here preaching, uh, and I can pretty much guarantee you that I will mess something up. Um, so uh, for those of you that brought tomatoes, I just ask that you aim for the head and not for the suit, because I just had this dry cleaned, and, you know, it'd be really mess- messy. But, uh, but first, uh, let's all bow our heads and pray for a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we, just, uh, we thank you once again for the opportunity to just uh, come and meet in your house tonight. Um, we just uh, we pray that you would continue to watch over our pastor and uh, just return him to us safely and uh, that he have a, a good journey. Um, please just uh, help us to uh, learn something tonight, and um, we just uh, give you all the glory uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as you, uh, <laughs> the title of my sermon tonight uh, is, Are You Mad at the World? Um, a lot of times we're, uh, you know, when we're, when we're reading the Word and we're, we're talking with our Christian friends, uh, sometimes the topic of the world comes up. You know, the, the world is where we all live. Um, but uh, tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about the world and, uh, and what it means to uh, live in it. Um, so first of all, who or what is the world? Um, we know that, of course, John 3.16 says, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a scripture verse that we're all very familiar with. But, uh, but uh, what is the world? Um, generally speaking, um, we can say that uh, the world is largely comprised of unsaved people um, who are outside of the kingdom of God, that is, of saved people, uh, or those who don't know the Lord. Um, and so we also know that uh, the Bible says that we as saved Christians were once of the world, but thankfully the Lord has called us out of it. And uh, we read in Second uh, Timothy 1 verse 9 uh, about God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given in us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So back to the topic of the world and, and what is the world. Uh, let's talk about one important question that we, that we should ask is, what's wrong with the world? Um, because the world is made up of lost people, primarily, it, uh, it promotes a lifestyle that is contradictory to the teachings of the Bible. I think that's fairly self-evident. Uh, we all live and work in, in a fallen world uh, amongst uh, people who do not know the Lord. And we know that the, the lifestyle that the world promotes uh, goes against pretty much uh, just about everything that we know uh, to be right and true. Um, as Christians. And the Bible says that while we must live in the world, we are not to be of it, or that is, conformed by it, because we are citizens of the kingdom of the Almighty God. And, uh, but however, this world that we live in is constantly and always trying to conform us to itself and this lifestyle that it promotes. Uh, the world tells us, you know, you should, uh, you should just accept things that uh, the Bible says are wrong. Um, the world even uh, often tells us, uh, you know, you hear, you hear people saying, uh, the Bible is just a bunch of fairy tales, you know, and, uh, you know, how often do we uh, come in contact with people that, that uh, think that, uh, you know, hey, you know, you shouldn't be so much of a prude when it comes to things like drinking or gambling or foul language or even premarital sex, abortion, homosexuality, you know, hey, these things are no big deal, right? I mean, you just need to go with the flow. That's, uh, that's kind of the message that the world seems to be telling us a lot of the time. But we know that these things go against what we know to be true because God has given us the instruction manual. Amen? Amen. So this lifestyle that the world promotes is always and constantly changing. 
However, God's word is unchanging and eternal. Praise the Lord. The world expects you, you, to conform to its mindset and lifestyle or else. Because if you don't, the world will label you as one of the following. Uh, Number one, uh, you are intolerant. If you believe that the Bible has all the answers and that faith in Christ is the only way to heaven, uh, you're intolerant because you won't accept other religions' views as being equally valid. You know, if you believe that uh, uh, Christ is the way, the only way, uh, the truth and the life, and that uh, all other religions are false, then you're intolerant because, you know, you don't accept everything as being equally true. So, um, and also, if you believe that all men are accountable before God and that we are con- to conduct ourselves according to what the Bible says, then you're also intolerant of other people's chosen lifestyles because, you know, not everybody lives that way or wants to. So, you're intolerant. Um, Number two, uh, you are ignorant. The world tells us that if you believe in Christ, you're ignorant. Belief in an omnipotent creator beyond the realm of human comprehension goes totally against the worldly viewpoint. Um, that's, uh, that flies in the face of, of what science uh, tries, to, tries to tell us. You know? the, the world and the scientific community says that the human mind is, in theory, capable of understanding anything, no matter how complex. However, the Bible says otherwise. In Job 37, verse 5, we read, God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he which we cannot comprehend. We can't comprehend God. I mean, anybody that has a relationship with the living God knows that he is far beyond our understanding. I mean, how could you possibly ever explain how he came into your heart and and converted you from a lost sinner into a, a believer and follower of Jesus Christ? I mean, even that alone is just beyond our comprehension. I mean, who, who could possibly dare to say that they could understand God? Um, so belief in a creator and an omnipotent God that is beyond our understanding just completely flies in the face of what the world tries to uh, make people believe. Uh, the belief that the Bible's teachings come from a higher authority than the world's scientific community makes you unbelievably ignorant in the eyes of the world. I think some of us uh, have probably experienced that in, uh, in one way or another at some point. Um, and along with that, you know, trusting in the fairy tales of a 2,000-year-old book over modern scientific fact makes you look like an idiot in their eyes, pretty much. So, but uh, thankfully, the Bible also has that covered as well, because in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, we read, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Amen. Uh, because... Uh, you know, the Bible's got all this stuff covered. That's what the world doesn't understand, is that all this is outlined and explained. They just don't want to take the time to read it. So, uh, Nor could they really understand it if they tried anyway, because uh, you, know, you, need, uh, you need to know the Lord if you uh, can uh, fully understand uh, God's word. Uh, and number three, uh, the, if you are a follower of Christ, um, the world says that you are dangerous. Um, in case some of you haven't noticed, we live in a time when religion itself is starting to be regarded as the real reason behind all the world's problems. Uh, some of you may have noticed, uh, this is kind of subtle, but uh, you know, the media calls Muslim terrorists religious zealots, thereby equating them with you and me. We're followers of Christ. We don't cut the heads off people we don't like. At least, I don't think any of us do. And, uh, I, but that's just something that, that is totally the opposite of, of what Christ is all about. There, but, however, the media equates us 
with basically the exact opposite of, of who we are as Christians. And so uh, we're regarded as dangerous. Um, and it, how many of us have heard people around us in the workplace sometimes blame religion for the world's problems, you know? People don't understand why, you know, the people of the world can't just get along. But uh, a lot of people see religion as being this barrier to uh, some sort of enlightened future that, uh, that we're trying to, uh, to get to. But uh, if you love the Lord and you tell other people about him and what he's done for you in your life, you're showing that you have a zeal for God, right? Most of us are like that. Uh, that makes you a religious zealot then, doesn't it? In fact, you're a real fanatic. So the world doesn't like fanatics or zealots for that matter. They're dangerous. So what's really going on here? Let's take a look at what's happening right now in our culture. Um, Anti-Christian sentiments everywhere are becoming more aggressive. You've got uh, the evolutionists uh, with their agenda uh, becoming more and more aggressive uh, in the schools and the government. Uh, proponents of the gay agenda. Uh, I, don't, I don't think any of us are, are a stranger to, to what's going on in that regard. Um, and, of course, the secular humanists who want to remove every trace of Christianity from our society. You know, they're breaking the crosses off of war memorials and, and uh, you know, removing the Ten Commandments from... Uh, courthouses and uh, just about uh, in any trace of Christianity, uh, it's, it's their mission to just wipe out. And so these anti-Christian sentiments are, are, are growing stronger all the time in our society. Another thing um, is the rising level of blasphemy in our culture. That's a very serious thing, but it's something that a lot of people don't even notice. Um, there are a lot of TV shows and, uh, you know, uh, just things in, in the entertainment industry. Uh, even Even just bumper stickers you see sometimes. Sometimes they're very subtle, but there are more and more things in the world that are mocking Christ and ridiculing him and ridiculing God's people um, and just being insulting toward the Lord. And, uh, and that's something that, that we're starting to see more and more of, and, and uh, that's a very serious thing too. Uh, and of course, the anti-Christian messages perpetuated by the media, um, uh, you know, generally speaking, a lot of... Uh, a lot of the newscasts we see uh, tend to have a fairly negative spin in terms of, uh, you know, whenever something is uh, reported on Christianity or something that has to do with the church, it's, it's usually painted in a fairly negative tone. And, uh, and that's something that's been going on for a while, and I'm sure it will continue. One of the most serious things that we're seeing in our culture today is the fact that so many so-called Christian churches and denominations out there have not only accepted, but actually embraced things that are totally abominable to God. Uh, there are churches out there that are openly embracing homosexuality, saying, that, hey, this is fine, this is totally cool, hey, come on in, you know, this is, this is no big deal. And uh, they, they see that as, as a way of expressing Christ's love. As, you know, they, they think that, uh, that Christians should be accepting of everybody and everything, no matter what the Bible says. In fact, they don't even open their Bibles most of the time, it seems. So, when we look at all this, we must ask, what is the meaning of all this? Um... Why is all this stuff happening right now? Is it because Christianity itself is falling apart? Is religion in general simply outdated, obsolete, and incompatible with modern life? Um, or are we uh, simply on the verge of a new era of enlightenment, wherein science replaces religion? Um, is this the dawning of the age of Aquarius, as the hippies once claimed? Well, I've got an answer for you. No. Um, I think Jude said it best. In uh, Jude 1, uh, we read, But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. All this, again, was covered in the Bible hundreds and hundreds of years ago, uh, to a T. And so, uh, all we have to do is is look to the Word, and we know kind of where we're at in in history, and uh, what to expect, because the Bible covers everything. Uh, But let's quickly just look at a few more characteristics of the world today. Let's kind of narrow these things down. Uh, In general, we find that the world, number one, refuses to acknowledge God, let alone give glory to Him. Isn't that true in the entertainment industry, uh, in media, even government a lot of times? Uh, you know, God doesn't get the glory that he justly deserves. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a problem. And that's something that, that is very apparent in our society and popular culture. Uh, speaking of popular culture, we could say that uh, the world encourages disobedience and irreverence toward God. Uh, you know, we have popular music, movies, television, uh, all, I mean, just society in general encourages disobedience toward God. I mean, you're encouraged to go your own way and do your own thing. And, you know, don't worry about what, you know, the rules are or whatever. You know, you're encouraged to just kind of seek, uh, seek your own truth. And uh, it's just uh, it's totally contradictory to what the Bible says. Uh, number three, the world also blasphemes Christ for fun and profit. As I said a moment ago... You know, you see the little bumper stickers. You see uh, things that are, beca- that are even more overt than that. Uh, there are actual movies and, and, and TV shows that seem to be designed specifically to insult God and God's people. Uh, and we're seeing more and more of that, um, way more than we saw even just a few years ago. And that ties back in with what I said a few minutes ago about how the world is constantly changing and how things are continually in flux and things are constantly getting more and more away from what God wants us to be doing as people. Um, And number four, uh, the world also perverts and twists the true gospel of Christ. Uh, And that's not just in these uh, these other churches where you see uh, things like homosexuality being accepted. Um, We know that uh, just out there in the world, people have a very convoluted view of what the the church, what the Bible, what salvation is all about. Uh, People are so confused a lot of times just because of the, the many, many mixed messages out there in, in our culture. Um, and, uh, you know, even myself, I can speak from experience. When I came to this church, I had a lot of uh, improper views of, of what, uh, what church was about and what, who God is and, and all this stuff. I mean, I had a general idea, but uh, it just goes to show if you spend enough time out in the world, your brain will just get mixed up. I mean, almost uh, seemingly beyond repair. But, uh, but praise the Lord that, uh, that God can sort anybody out. Uh, and, um, you know, if you come to a, a good, solid Bible-teaching church like ours, um, you know, you're, uh, you, God will fix you up just fine. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, when we look at these different points, uh, when we look at all this evidence, we can see a, a somewhat of an interesting pattern. Because the characteristics of the world and our popular culture today are very similar to the characteristics of Satan himself. Uh, And I'll go through a few examples. Um, Satan gives glory not to God, but to men. In Mark 8, 33, Jesus rebuked Peter, saying, uh, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Uh, So we know that Satan gives glory not to God, but to men. 
And that's just like how the world operates. Uh, number two, uh, Satan is the origin of disobedience. We talked about how we live in a, a very disobedient culture a moment ago. Satan is the, is the one that started it all. Satan is, is, is the essence of disobedience. So um, in Ephesians 2, verse 2, we read, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So Satan is pretty much the father of uh, disobedience, you might say. Uh, a third point. Satan is the source of blasphemy against God. Uh, in Revelation 13, verse 6, uh, we read, And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So we know that Satan is really the source of all this, this evil, blasphemous uh, activity that is, uh, that is happening in the world. And uh, we know that it'll, it'll continue up until we uh, actually find ourselves living in the times that the book of Revelation uh, talks about. So, uh, and number four, Satan like our culture, perverts and twists Christ's true gospel. Uh, many of you may be familiar with uh, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15, which reads, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And that's something that uh, I think... You know, we're seeing even in this day and age uh, when you see uh, many different churches doing all kinds of weird things and uh, just uh, you know that that cannot be of God when you see these things going on. So let's uh, quickly look at uh, what the Bible says about Satan. Um, in Second Corinthians 4 verse 4, Satan is described as the God of this world who has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And uh, as we just saw a moment ago, Satan is described by Paul as an angel of light as well. Um, and again, in Ephesians 2, verse 2, uh, Satan is described as the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So, um, you know, when you, when you look at all these things and you see, like, uh, some of the things that are on television and you know that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, you almost want to say that he's also the prince of the power prince of the power of the airwaves as well, because it seems like he has control over virtually every aspect of uh, our entertainment and uh, popular media. So, uh, and uh, finally, in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, uh, Satan is described as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So, uh, what does the Bible say about Satan being a red guy with horns? Um... You know, I looked for a long time. Say, uh, uh, the, you know, the Bible says nothing about Satan having a goatee and a pitchfork. And I couldn't find that in there for some reason. Um, you know, as we know, the Bible says nothing of the sort. Um, if anything, it describes Satan as being the opposite of that silly description. Um, you know, that, uh, that description of Satan was actually concocted to ridicule and mock Satan, actually. So um, that's, a, that's a little historical fact. But... Uh, um, so the important points to remember here are that uh, Satan is not a red guy with a pitchfork. Uh, he is an extremely effective deceiver, and you need to remember that. We all do. Um, and according to the Bible, Satan has power over the minds and actions of lost people, and consequently, this world. That's another thing that we also need to remember on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, 
Number three, Satan will do whatever he can to try and ruin your testimony as a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm sure we all are familiar with how Satan works. Um, Everybody can be tempted with something or another. Uh, Satan tends to try to find your most vulnerable area and tempt you as much as he can to try to get you to fall. And, um, you know, if you're not properly equipped um, and you're not walking with the Lord, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you can fall. And that's his whole goal. Um, He wants to ruin your testimony as a believer. So, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, how worldly are you. <laughs> so, as we just talked about, you know, Satan may be the god of this world, and we know that, that this world is all around us, but we are called to shine the light of Christ's love in this darkened world. The Bible clearly says that that is our mission uh, on this earth, uh, one of several, but... Uh, Uh, And also, that light shines brightest when we are walking with him and not being conformed by this world. Uh, That's something that that just is another reason why, you know, attending church regularly and and being in the Word and and having a a healthy and active prayer life are very important things. And they're very practical things to, uh, to strive for as a Christian. So, let me just ask a few questions. How much of the world are you letting into your life? How much control does the world have over you and your family? How much control does the world have in your household? Um, I, know for, I know for a fact that many of you have really nice houses, and Jen and I have had the pleasure of uh, having fellowship with many of you several times, and we really appreciate that. And uh, we live in a pretty nice area, and there's not a whole lot of crime around here. It's uh, really not, uh, you know, it's not, not a, really a bad area by, uh, by much of a uh, stretch of the imagination. Um, but... Uh, I want everyone for just a minute to imagine what it would be like if your house was in the very worst neighborhood imaginable. I mean, not necessarily even in this area. Let's just imagine, let's just suppose that your house was just in a really scary, rundown area, rampant with crime, a real dumpy area with cars up on blocks, just really scary. You don't even want to go outside, okay? So if you lived in such a place, would you leave the windows open all the time? Would you leave the front door wide open all the time and everything unlocked? No, of course not. You keep your house secure because you value your belongings. You don't want them stolen. In fact, some of you even have burglar alarms, which is not a bad thing at all. But what about your spiritual house? Because we live in a fallen world dominated by the forces of Satan, as we just discussed, in a lot of ways, our lives as believers are very much like a nice house in a bad neighborhood. However, many Christians live with the windows and doors to their spiritual houses wide open. And it's like they're saying, come on in, world. Uh, in fact, some Christians seem like they, they can't get enough of the world. Uh, you know, on, uh, with cable, you know, you've got 500 channels of filth to choose from. Uh, you know, and there, there's nothing, there, there are like maybe, what, two good channels that are worth watching? Don't, don't say what they are or anything. But, uh, um, <laughs> uh, you know, popular music. Encouraging our young people to speak, act, and dress like street thugs and prostitutes. You know, I mean, this is the stuff that we allow into our homes. Um, Disgusting things on TV and the internet uh, that many Christians and their kids are secretly into. That's a huge problem in itself. Um, And, you know, really the end result is that many Christians, even though they claim to know the Lord, wonder why their lives are devoid of the spiritual things they desire so much. You know, Hey, why, uh, why is my family unhealthy? Why, why are we unhappy? Why don't I have a, a closer walk with the Lord? You know, why, 
Uh, why is there so much chaos and disarray in my life and, and, and in our family? Uh, well, it's because they've allowed too much of the world in, and, and, and Satan has robbed them blind. It's like, uh, you know, coming home and uh, finding the TV gone, or the stereo, or the computer, or all your furniture, or everything, you know? Because even though they may be saved, their spiritual lives are like empty houses. But we know there's another way. If you know Christ and have truly trusted in him as the Savior, Jesus will protect your spiritual house if you let him. However, if you have sin in your life that you aren't willing to get rid of, um, it's like you're insisting on leaving a back window open. It's like, I kind of want to hang on to this, you know, I want to I leave this one door open and, you know, let stuff come in and out because I'm not ready to close that just yet. You're not serious about securing your spiritual house. You must be willing to keep sin completely out of your life and your household. And that is completely. So, you know, you may be really good at keeping your physical house secure, but how good are you at keeping your spiritual house secure? If you allow Jesus to be the head of your household, he will always help you turn away sin when it comes knocking at your door or if it tries to sneak in through that back window, which you've closed. So... Remember who you're dealing with the next time that you let the world into your house. And that uh, only Jesus Christ can provide the kind of home security that you really need. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just uh, thank you once again for just uh, this opportunity to, co- to come to your house tonight and, and just uh, just learn something about, about your word. Uh, we pray that... Uh, some hearts were touched tonight. Um, I just, once again, just thank you for the opportunity of speaking to, to your people tonight, Lord. Um, just pray that uh, you get all the glory for this. And uh, we just uh, want to give you the thanks and praise for all things. In Jesus' name, amen.